For your awareness, this episode contains the following subject matter, drug use and drug abuse. While we do our best while discussing the arc we're covering this week to warn when this content is being discussed specifically, please note it is central to the plot of this arc and comes up often. Please keep this in mind while listening and take care of yourselves. Thank you. It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Charlie finds New York City's urban planning frustrating, Mikey gets mad about the logistics of supercrime, and we talk about a very special episode of The Young Avengers. and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is our third episode. If you're back from listening to the previous episodes, thank you again so much for keeping on and listening to our um, history as we kind of walk through Young Avengers Volume 1. But it's still really great that everybody's listening, and that's more than I could ever hope for. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really great. Spoiler alert, we're actually recording two episodes back to back. So if you've reviewed in the intervening time or shouted us out on Twitter or various social media, thank you in advance. Yes, in advance, because this is going to be, we're talking to you from the future, past? The past. I think that's how time, past. we talked at last episode about how time travel works, but as we'll learn Time travel never really works the way you think it does, so who knows? No, bad. It's just bad, and everybody should leave it alone. If someone offers you the opportunity to go into the past or the future, just say no. It's like drugs. Yeah. Not to mention, like, you get into a lot of weird social situations. Yeah, it's not good. Or, you know, future future Razor scooters, but I'm not going to bring that (laughs) up again. No, I all know. I know too much about your concerns about the future of Razor scooters, but... That aside, we have the last episode, we finished out the sidekicks arc of volume one of Young Avengers, and we're picking up with a two-issue mini arc that kind of goes through the rest of what we'll be covering the next episode, but I kind of wanted to isolate these two issues because they don't really fit into that, and there's a whole lot to talk about there. So this is going to be issues... Seven and eight of Young Avengers Volume One. Yeah, and these issues seven and eight are written by Alan Heinberg with pencils by Andrea DeVito, inks done by Drew Hennessy, and the colorist is Justin Ponzor. Yeah, so we've changed creative teams slightly. Jim Chung, who obviously on previous episodes you know is a co-creator of the Young Avengers, he is not drawing these, and obviously if you just look at his his pencils, you know why he needed to take a break. <laughs> it's you can't you just can't be that detailed all the time yeah and, and keep your deadlines probably i'm not sure what else was going on at the time in the kind of realm of deadlines but i do know this is kind of like a weird interlude arc what seemed to be happening at marvel at the time is if an arc was only going to run for a couple issues they would get kind of a backup artist to do it because when we cover runaways later we'll find out that that happens quite frequently with a penciler named Miyazawa. So this is kind of a similar thing here where the main penciler is not going to be doing the pencils. It's kind of someone else that's not as busy and then they'll get the uh, main artist for the series back for the other ones. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't have any creative input on the issue because... No, I would have to assume he did since they were you know he and Heinberg were co-creators of these characters yeah I know um Kieran Gillen specifically has talked a lot about how the writers tend to get the brunt of both the lotting and the flack for stories the burden of both readers joys and their anger tends to fall disproportionately on the writer when in reality it's a kind of input by all of the creative team as well as potentially other people, you know, the editors, 
all those other people. So that's why we tend to like to credit the whole creative team in these uh, episodes so that, you know, everyone that's involved in it. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely a creative effort and collaborative effort. It's a creative effort, but it's most definitely a collaborative effort. So we should never discount any of the people that work on any of these. You know, even if, you know, someone's just, someone's, I don't say just, someone's like inking someone's pencils or, I mean, it's a whole thing. It's hard and someone that's doing one thing may not know how to do the other very well. So, yeah. But before we jump into the issue itself, as you heard before the intro, uh, this is an arc that deals with a little bit of heavier subject matter and next week's episode will as well, just as a forewarning, because these are kind of... I don't know that I would call them after school special, but it is though. It's all it's like a very special episode of The Young Avengers. Yeah, and I mean that not necessarily in a good way. No. This has a lot of character development, and I use kind of scare quotes around development for the character Patriot that I think is highly questionable and very unfortunate. I would say too. Yes. So, just know that I have a lot of reservations about this arc in general before we go into that. And that's goes it goes double for me as well. But I mean there are some larger issues here that uh Mikey and I are not necessarily qualified to talk about. It super length, not just length, but super length. <laughs> you know, super length, like Reed Richards. <laughs> no, we don't talk about him here. Wrong podcast. There is, however, a wonderful article done on Eli by our editor, Everett Christensen, on our website, uh, youngonescast.com. Yes. If you want to see a very good layout of the history of Eli and his character development, you know, after listening to this episode, I highly recommend that you go read it if you haven't already. And thank you so much to Everett for writing that for us. Absolutely. A hundred percent. All right. So before we get into the issue proper, Charlie, do you want to give us a rundown of who exactly the Young Avengers are? So on the team right now, we have Wiccan, who is Billy Kaplan, and he has both magical abilities as well as lightning powers, and he uses them together. His lightning powers were what he started out with, but he did have a hint to the fact that he had magic, which he learned the last time. We also have Patriot, who is Eli Bradley, and he is a super soldier, just like Captain America, because his grandpa was the first Captain America before Steve Rogers was Captain America. And then we have Hulkling, who is Teddy Altman, and we learned that he is a shapeshifter, but he also has super strength, and he isn't a Hulk. We have Stature, who is Cassie Lang. She is Scott Lang, so Ant-Man's daughter. And she was exposed to pin particles, and that is why she can grow both big and small. And then last but certainly not least, we have Kate Bishop, who is running around with a sword and a brand new costume and a bow and arrow, but she is not yet named Hawkeye. Yeah, so that's the kids, their real names, their code names, and their powers. But it is, without further ado, that we get into... Uh, Young Avengers number seven. <laughs> so they really love the opening on these pages with the Daily Bugle, don't they? Yeah. Jim Chunk still is doing the covers, though. Before we even get into that, we've got kind of a weird cover. I don't like Billy's face. Yeah. All the kids are kind of in, like, civvy clothes. Kate's got an arrow with goggles. Like, not the goggles that we saw her in last issue, but safety glasses. Yeah, they look like safety glasses. They don't look like archery whatever you use and then there's a bunch of figures in shadow in the background the specter of the avengers mansion gates looms over all the characters and the vision is at the forefront or something that looks kind of like a cross between the vision and iron lad is in a yellow cloak at the front of the cover so a little bit dramatic but also yeah i it's weird it's a weird decision having them all in civvies considering that they're end up fighting in this issue as we'll get to but yeah we do start the very first page off with a newspaper spread or front page rather of the new young avengers question mark and they are apprehending shocker just as another quick side note it's also interesting so 
in the beginning of the first issue, the newspaper actually had like a real article written on it. And this is in Latin. It's lorem ipsum, which is like a default text that people put to see how formatting is going to work. Like when you want to just see how the text is going to work on a website, you'll put like lorem ipsum in. It's like been a long time publishing thing. So I guess the artist didn't want to take the time or Heinberg didn't want to take the time to write out an article. So they just put. Yeah, but it's very weird that in in something that like much earlier, like the first issue they took the time on a much smaller print of something to write something out. But this, which is a splash page, and I can read all the words on it, that's just a strange choice. Yeah, and it really speaks to me for the just overall kind of interstitial nature of this arc. Like, it's not a filler episode like you would see in an anime or a cartoon, but it does feel like... You know, not that the writing necessarily suffers, but the overall quality of the work is is less than I think the first six issues. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's, it's a little bit odd. Yeah, but we go straight into Avengers Tower with Captain America, uh, Luke Cage, and Spider Man hanging out on a couch. Uh, so between the end of issue six and the start of issue seven, the new Avengers, who we talked about, I think in our first episode, have yes. gotten back together. So that six month period is now over and the new Avengers have formed as a team and they're back at Avengers Tower or they're at Avengers Tower because uh, that didn't exist. Which is before. not Avengers Mansion. Right. <laughs> and they're looking at a hologram TV with yeah, like a real a photo of a strange. real man backwards, like photoshopped onto this. There's a lot of that happening. We're facing the back of the TV, so it would look mirrored. Because then, when we look at it from Peter and Luke Cage and Cap's perspective, it's right way forwards. So, like that's yes, actually and it's an not actually on the wall. Like it looked like it was. Yeah, that's actually like <laughs> an interesting bit of attention to detail. True, true. It is kind of weird that it. I mean, I guess if you have a tower built by Tony Stark, he just puts like holograms everywhere. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, and just walk it. You just walk into holograms at any given point in time. No, I I think that's probably the most realistic explana- explanation for this. Yeah, they do find that the Young Avengers are on the. TV now and they have their sparkly new costumes and Cap still disapproves <laughs> very much so and tells the kids not the kids excuse me tells um Peter and Luke like kind of what happened basically that it involves time travel and then Peter says no thanks I don't want to know yeah <laughs> which I like like Cap mentions that they the young Avengers killed King the Conqueror and Cap says it involves time travel don't all stories with Kang tend to involve some amount of time travel. Like, I'm confused They always here. do, yeah. I'm confused no, why it, Cap feels the need to specify. Yeah, well, Peter doesn't want to hear it because he says, I don't care, basically. <laughs> don't tell me. Yeah. But Luke brings up a really good point here that I, like, going over it the first time and then rereading it, basically talks to Cap about Patriot and that the mask, is, like, the mask that he has is new because he no longer has the full face mask. So now you can see that. It's a domino. You know, Eli. Yeah, Eli's black. And Luke mentions that how many black superheroes are there, like, that you couldn't remember what their names were. And Cap's like, well, there's about to be one less. And Luke says, I'm sorry to hear that. On this, He's got this really, like, stern look on his face, and he's extremely correct. Yeah. Well, and Peter, because we talked a lot in the past couple episodes about Cap's guilt complex, and Peter is right on the nose here as well, because Cap says, well, why? He's just 16. We can't have kid superheroes running around and peter's like that's when i started being superman or spider-man <laughs> <laughs> yes if you didn't know everyone we'll fix that in post <laughs> cap doesn't really concede the point he's still no, he just walks out the door yeah he just pieces out and, and says he, that he says he's gonna go get back up and that their parents would be ter- terrifying if the kids killed king the conqueror which i also mm, I don't know about that one, but we finally get to meet Billy's parents. Billy, in a previous issue, mentioned that his mother was a therapist and his dad was a pulmonologist. And now we get to meet Rebecca and Jeff Kaplan. Yeah. 
and they have their home here up on the Upper West Side, as we get in the nice little caption on the another page here. And Billy is watching the news report about the Young Avengers, and his mother is trying to tell him to eat breakfast. Uh, breakfast, yeah. So we do get it's like a very good like setup of that relationship happening here. It's like breakfast soup. It's not good. It doesn't look appetizing at all. It's not even oatmeal. It's not moving like oatmeal. Yeah, moves, it's like which actually, is to say not very much. It's this weird like non Newtonian fluid. Um, <laughs> like, you know, the pe- stuff make people make with corn syrup and starch. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not. It looks like that. Something I want to eat ever. Also, you know that she's a therapist because she tells him how much, uh, breakfast matters for the development of one's, uh, psyche. So, like, it's not trying to be subtle at all. No. And if Billy doesn't eat, breakfast with his family he's going to run the risk of developing antisocial behaviors yeah it's it's really like being- is that some weird flagging of like what's going to happen in the future here no i can't tell. i think it's just like oh did you remember that we said billy's mom is uh, a therapist yeah it's either a therapist or a psychiatrist i can't actually remember off the top of the head but regardless uh they're like beating us over the head with it which is kind of yeah thankfully teddy interrupts yeah also why is billy wearing a sports jersey like i cannot i was wondering the same exact thing i cannot he's be- not a yeah fan of sports ball i can't believe that no i don't believe it for a second i i pin that down to the artist because when teddy arrives his earrings are also like he has a very like very gay I, there's no other way to describe it he has like an <laughs> ear cuff and four like a silver ear cuff and four silver earrings like that go down the curve of his ear and here he only has the four earrings and they're gold this this artist is <laughs> made some mistakes friends yeah it's 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 not it i mean it's very it's good to be precise about these things yeah because like the art is like half of the characterization right so yeah exactly that's it's it's not as it's not nearly as evocative as strong's art is yeah absolutely or some of the even some of the art uh, that we'll be talking about next week in the annual. So Teddy interrupts and basically has a conversation with Billy at the door. That says, well, didn't you tell your parents about, you know, being superheroes yet? And Billy basically says no. And Teddy continues to tell him that they'll understand. And if they don't, well, you can just use magic to make them understand. Teddy. Not good. Teddy, why? Why are you doing this? Like, it's funny because they talk later about him being like the perfect boyfriend. And... <laughs> Like, I'm glad to see Teddy not being perfect, but also don't advocate for wiping people's minds with magic. Minds, no. But now that you mention it, though, this is a very very good beat here. That is something that you definitely should never tell anybody to do. Yeah. Teddy is advocating for it. I think it's like a joke, but also kind of not a joke. Kind of not if they were in that situation. Yeah. He's also suggesting that, uh, that Billy zap his mom when Teddy tells her what's going on, which is also not good. No. That's not the way to solve our problems, no. kids, even if you have magic powers. <sighs> but they talk loud enough, they have this conversation loud enough that Rebecca overhears it and asks, you know, what what do they want, you know, what do they want to explain to them? And now Jeff is here, too. Billy starts to tell them and they jump the gun and tell him that they already know. And what they already know is that Billy's gay. Yeah. Really quick. Jeff is also wearing... I will give a nod to the artist here. Jeff is wearing a very good apron that says chef. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's got a dad apron. I, I, I can dig that. Yeah, he was making eggs earlier. Yeah, that's over his, like, fancy medical doctor suit. He's just taking time to make breakfast for his family. I appreciate that. That's good. I do. Yeah, and also I appreciate that they are very supportive parents. Yeah, it's this is one really good moment in this com- in this uh, arc actually where you have kind of like oh we're going to tell them that we're superheroes and then they just actually think that Billy and Teddy are trying to tell them that they're gay and they're together. So it's it's nice and it's it's funny and they're like uh we know, we've always known. Uh, I didn't. Your mother had to tell me. And what you have to know is we love you. We're proud of you. And we're just so happy you boys found each other. And Jeff tells uh, Teddy, welcome to the family. (laughs) Yeah. And so then it's we do get like some uneasy smiles from the boys, which is good. Um, And then we go to a not so heartwarming moment with Cassie's family in the Upper East Side. Yeah. 
and they are watching the same TV program that everyone's been watching, which that's an interesting through line through through there. I I like that. Yes. It's all happening at the same time. Yeah. And so that's easily easy to read here. Cassie's mom and her stepdad are watching the TV and they're having a conversation without knowing that Cassie's directly behind them about how that could not be Cassie because she's not the superhero type and what if she got a hold of, you know, Scott's pim particles and everything like that. And we learned and that Cassie's stepdad is a cop. Yes. And he super the doesn't bad approve mustache. of superheroes. Yeah, his mustache is terrible. Yeah, it's bad. And Cassie gets really mad when and gets really big when her stepdad says that she couldn't possibly be a superhero. And then she gets really small when he says that she also wouldn't do it because she'd never put her mother through the stress of losing someone to superheroing again because she loves her mother too much. Yes. And it's sad. Yeah. But also like dick moves everybody. Yeah. Also like Cassie feels really guilty and it's bad. Yes. And you shouldn't have to feel guilty for that, but you know. Hey, it's future Mikey. I know we said time travel is bad and don't ever do it unless you're cable, but it's fine because I have a very important message. Remember that content warning I gave at the beginning of the episode? Well, we're going to get into some of that subject matter. Content warnings ahead for drug use and drug abuse. All right, back to the future with me. Bye. And then we move on to Eli. So remember that plastic bag of mutant growth hormone that Eli stole several issues back? And I was like, I know what happens to that plastic bag. When we go to Eli's house in the Bronx, he has been- It finds its way into uh, one of his sock drawers because that's where you keep all your drugs. It's actually like a sweater and t-shirt drawer at at the bottom of it. Yeah, well, there's an empty baggie. Yes, yes. There is an and empty I don't think we actually spoke about this in length in an earlier episode, which you probably should now. What is mutant growth hormone, Mikey? It is a drug that gives people that do not have superpowers or mutant powers, mutant powers. It's also one of those things where mutations are really unique to the people that have them. So I was doing some thinking when I was doing research, like how is it that Eli gets the specific powers that he hopes for? Like that's not actually how it would work. No, it's not. It's a convenient plot device. Like MGH changes a lot. Here it's being used as a generic, I get strong drug. Like, in other places, especially X-Men stories where MGH is used, it's definitely more to be focused on, like, mutations and things like that. Because in those stories, it's actually synthesized from, like, mutant DNA. Yeah, well, there's a lot of different ways that it's used, and it's one of those things where, depending on who's writing it, it takes whatever form they want to use, and it's manufactured however it makes sense that they want to use it. Like, there's not any consistency to how it's treated. So here we're going to see it in the form of pills, and we're also going to see it in the form of a liquid injectable that's a totally different color from the pills. So who knows? It's, It's like... It's the worst kind of plot device for so many reasons, and it makes me, like, really angry as a writer. (laughs) I don't know if I'm angry at Heidelberg or, like, it's trope in comics, because it also ends up being used by Brian Michael Bendis in his X-Men as kind of, like, this whole drug trafficking side plot where it gets sold in Japan, and it's, like, it's kind of yucky. That was Madripoor. That was Madripoor. It gets sold in Madripoor and Mystique kidnaps Dazzler. Madripoor is also a whole thing. Yeah, it is. Bendis' Uncanny X-Men run. It's not now. <laughs> it has, its, it has its, its ups and downs for sure. Yes. But getting back to the matter at hand, they have this plastic bag and then his grandmother comes in the room and is like, what are you looking for, Eli? And he also has his Patriot jacket slung over one arm. And he quickly ducks that behind his back. Puts it in his backpack. And tries to lie through his teeth to his grandma. His grandma looks like the sweetest woman ever. Don't lie to your grandma. Like, this is just... don't. This is not... This is so, uh... Like, I... It's just very rough. Yeah, and it's also really... Again, I'm not gonna get into, like, the deeper societal implications, but just for Eli as a character, it seems very inconsistent with his personality and the way he acts like if he's such an advocate for truth like i'm not making any judgment on people that 
get into drugs or gang violence or anything like that because that's a whole time and there's so many reasons and so many impacts but like specifically this sneaking around and doing this like it doesn't feel authentic to the character and it super feels like a special episode as charlie said like an after school special like this is what not to do most people are crying in this issue like there's a lot of crying in this issue yeah because it's really over dramatic eli's grandma like scolds him and tells him to go say goodbye to his grandfather who is looking at a picture in the daily bugle of the young avengers and like crying yeah and like i understand from the perspective of eli feels like he has some legacy that he has to uphold or like should uphold but he's also done a lot of lying and things built on lies are never like again it just feels like so trite yeah it's not deep or because it doesn't like deal with any of the other issues it's not trying to tell a deeper story right it's just like lying is bad and drugs are bad and you should never do them because no don't do drugs they ruin people's lives yeah which is like who's that gonna help because that's not how you do intervention and drug education like that doesn't help anyone just say no never helps anybody right like because the people that you're talking to are already embedded in a situation where they need help they don't need judgment but i'm gonna get off my soapbox and we'll continue with the issue (laughs) it's okay it's a it's a certainly a hill yeah at least for right now we move past that and we go back to avengers tower where Tony is staring intently at the at the vision who if we remember from last time is was or was Ironland's armor that the vision had been uploaded into so like the vision that the Avengers knew he was uploaded into this armor but as Tony tells us it's not their vision also isn't this breaking the time loop I thought so like I know that Nate specifically left the armor here so that he wouldn't have it and so that it stays in the past so it could teleport him to the future but it was never in this continuity in the first place so now the vision is just time travel time travel yeah and the vision and the vision of this armor is also had integrated it like itself like into nate so it's got like like iron lad's personality and emotion like emotional it's not an data it's a he i'm sorry i have a very complicated relationship with robots you know this (laughs) i know but for all intents and purposes the vision identifies himself as having the thought patterns and emotions of iron lad like mixed onto his kind of processor but he has none of the experiences of the vision so he's as cap and tony remark basically a incredibly powerful super intelligent kid and jessica makes like a snide comment to cap when he's like oh just another incredibly powerful kid to worry about and she says so are you gonna shut the vision down too shut it all down i can't handle any of these children i can't lose someone else (laughs) goes to cry in a corner yes steve we get it you have man pain i understand yes as jess says anything's better than probably telling their parents about what's going on because that is kind of an extremely bad situation that you could put somebody in and jessica actually says that like, you don't know how anyone's going to react to telling them their kid has superpowers. Like, you could definitely be ruining their lives. Yeah. I know Jessica had some doubts about being a mom, but honestly, if anyone's qualified to be a parent in these past few issues, it's her because she has the best ideas about how to handle these situations. Unlike, yes. unlike Tony, who assumes that because Jess dated Scott Lang, she knows both his ex-wife and his ex-wife's husband which is not how that works works no he's i think he's just saying that to try and get out of going to see them which is what cap suggests that they do he's trying to like be snarky but like he just ends up coming off being an asshole which is par for the course with tony stark let's be honest yeah that is that's definitely his mo at this point in time we're slowly creeping up to the darkest timeline for tony Maybe not the darkest, but one of them. Yeah, a very rough time in Tony's life. Totally of his own making. Yes. I have no sympathy for Tony Stark at this point in time. Oh, no, not at all. And they agree that Joss is going to go see 
Cassie's mom and that Cap is going to go see Eli's grandparents and they're going to have a conversation about each of them individually before they do anything else. So then, in case you didn't know that this was set in New York City, we're in yet another area of New York City, the Meatpacking District. I feel like at this point, they're just putting out names so that it seems like we have a sense of place. Where is, I don't know where the Meatpacking District in New York is. I'm sorry I'm not from New York, but... <laughs> I feel like nothing is labeled the meatpacking district. No, I think there is a meatpacking district. Okay. You can tell me all about in the comments about <laughs> about your experiences in the New York City meatpacking district. Yes. If you have lived or visited the meatpacking district, please email us at youngonescast at gmail.com. <laughs> don't actually we do that. We would like to know. Well, maybe do no, that. No, don't, please. Maybe do that if you really feel the need to. So... They start talking about what Cassie experienced, and as she starts getting angrier, she starts turning into, like, a weird clamp manga version of Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, her powers aren't... She's not really getting taller. She's just, like, stretching, and her thighs and legs are taking up, like, 90% of her body. Yeah, and she's stretching out her sweater, but the buttons never pop, so it just is, like, really, it's very strange. It's like if you, if she's made out of, like, silly putty, and you take her head and her legs and, like, pull her, that's what it looks like she's doing. Yeah, exactly. Which is not how that works. Mm -mm, Not quite. The art is not the greatest. No, and, you know, as Kate is talking to Cassie and, like, calming her down about when she says, you know, maybe I'm just a bad person because I'm actually a superhero, my mom, you know, my mom can't handle it, they see Billy and Teddy. Well, hold on. First, before we even go into that, Cassie says that at least Billy and Teddy have each other and that Kate and Eli have each other. Oh, yeah. As a little bit of teasing. And Kate starts blushing and getting nervous and is like, it's not like that. All we do is fight. And Cassie goes, gee, why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, in my opinion, in my experience, fighting with with your significant other is probably not the best thing to build. <laughs> like, I really like you. I'm gonna yell at you. A I lot. mean, but it's the it's the Marissa and Ryan dynamic, though, right? Where they have this right? kind of like back and forth, this adversarial back and forth. Marissa and Ryan are characters from uh, the hit show The OC, by the way. Yes, one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. So we won't go into it right now because I'll go in. I'll go. Into it. <laughs> yeah, this is not an OC rewatch podcast. <laughs> no, but I toyed with the idea of doing one for a while. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so. Billy and Teddy are in front of the hog pit barbecue, and then they they start having this conversation about how they're telling their parents. And they didn't really tell their parents, but they got pretty close, but now at least... The Billy's parents think that Teddy's um, the best, son, the perfect son-in-law. Yeah, and that Captain America is probably going to beat them to the punch. So they're going to try to beat Cap at the punch because that's not how that phrasing goes. But Shh. good job. And then we go to the West Side Highway, which wherever that is. <laughs> yeah, it it's just a bunch of like decrepit industrial, like breaking down buildings. Again, I don't know how realistic this is to New York City. I have to assume at least one of the creative team had been to New York City because I believe this is when the Marvel offices were still located there. Yeah, they're still there. They are still there. Okay, I couldn't remember if they moved to... DC moved. DC right, moved out. Right, DC moved. Marvel stayed. Right. They won the turf war. <laughs> so to speak. Actually, I didn't realize this when I read. Like, I didn't put it in my notes, but there's a drug lab on the roof of the skyscraper <laughs> right yeah there's a drug lab here and what? eli is seen watching these people deal mgh and this drug lab that's got a skylight <laughs> like why why would you do your drugs on <laughs> oh lord like if this is already an industrial area like we'll see later why are you making drugs like Walter White was bad enough when he did it in a van, but why would you do it on a rooftop? Like, in a city that has superheroes, they could... Oh my god, there's so many problems <laughs> they here. Get, you mean what would ha- you mean what happens next could possibly happen all the time? Meaning that they catch Eli spying on them through the, through the skylight, and then they shoot at the glass, and he falls through to the ground. Sorry, I'm still stuck on all the logistical problems of even getting things up like 30 flights of stairs but i'm i'll I'll stop i promise 
<laughs> now they're gonna have to bring some new supplies because Eli goes crashing through them all. Yeah. And there's more drugs supplies in the inside of the warehouse or skyscraper or whatever it is. Yeah. The crew, the Young Avengers, call Eli and he's not answering his cell phone, which in like 2005, I find it highly unlikely that all of them would have cell cell phones because that was not a thing. Like it was a thing in the OC because they were all rich as hell. But here it's like, I didn't get a cell phone until I was like... Almost a senior in college. I had one in high school. Wow, look at you. I think you, no, I think no, you may be you're right. I didn't get a smartphone until I was almost a senior in college. I, was I had a say, cell phone senior year of high school. But that's still like... You guys all don't know, My, Mikey actually stayed unplugged and off the grid for quite a long time, apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess some of my friends when I started school in 2004 had cell phones, but it was like a real rarity. But that's... No, I had a flip phone. That's also because yeah. I went to like a science and high school i don't think that regular kids would have it because it's a luxury like at that time it really was yeah no i agree i agree anyway but they can't re- they can't reach him in any case by his cell phone so teddy says that he probably did something stupid and billy agrees to cast a locating spell and finds him and starts levitating starts levitating that's how you know it's working yeah apparently according to teddy <laughs> They track him down, but we see on the next page that, yes, Eli has fallen and probably can't get up. He got shot at like three times. Yeah, but he didn't get shot, but he fell through and hit all these drugs, all the drugs. And we see this giant hulking figure. That's redundant. Anyway, a hulking figure in a green suit. Throwing the other drug dealers around. Yeah, and like crushing their skull with his meat, his meaty fist. And they talk, they introduce him as Dr. Zabo. Charlie, would you like to tell me more about who Dr. Zabo is? I don't want to talk to you about Mr. Hyde at all, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, because as we learn, his name might be Dr. Zabo, but you can call him Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. And we see Eli's, like, very scared eye as, like, a small panel. (laughs) So, Dr. Calvin Zabo, or Mr. Hyde, I learned from research, is a very, very big fan of um, Robert Louis Stevenson. So, if you didn't know that, now you know. But (laughs) he is canonically daisy johnson or quake's father who you might know from the hit tv show agents of shield agents of shield yeah he was actually played by kyle mclaughlin (laughs) oh my god you did did you remember that i i remember her dad but i never got far enough for the reveal special agent dale cooper (laughs) christ and and that's funny because i just took a sip of coffee it's damn good coffee Yeah, so he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Mr. Hyde took a super drug, some sort of serum that caused him to become unstable and also this large, ugly figure. He's not nearly as handsome as Kyle McLaughlin is in this comic book that I'm holding in my hands right now. It's very bad. Yeah. He's got like a weird mullet and he looks kind of like a really ugly Conan, actually. Like, the stereotypical Conan the Barbarian, or, like, the guy, like, a brown-haired version of the guy in the What's Going On video. (laughs) He-Man. Yeah. So, Mr. Hyde, he's here. That's all I want you to know. (laughs) Because we cut away after we figure out who it is, and then... We cut back to a side of panels with Cap and Eli's grandmother. And then in the other side is Jessica ringing the doorbell um, to Cassie's mother. There are two totally different expressions and thoughts happening here. Would you like to talk about our Lord and Savior? Your child is a superhero. Whoops. <laughs> Cassie's mom already knew. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Meanwhile, Eli's grandfather, Isaiah... And his grandmother were apparently just talking about Cap, and she's very excited to see him and has no idea what's going on and doesn't let Cap finish what he was going to say. Meanwhile, Eli is having an extremely bad time in this drug lab. Yes, but the team shows up, so the Young Avengers show up, and Kate's arrow goes right into Mr. Hyde's arm, and basically they attempt to try and save Eli because they know that something bad is happening, and... 
As soon as Billy grabs Eli after he's been let go, Eli runs off and Billy follows him to the back of the drug lab. Yeah, and also notices that he's bleeding. Yeah. Which super... I'm pretty sure Cap bleeds. I'm pretty sure too. So I don't know why that's special, but he heals quick. That's the whole thing. Yeah. But whatever. We'll disregard that for the moment. Yes. Billy blasts the door open and then content warning for more drug stuff is shooting himself up with a dirty needle that's just kind of sitting in a box of needles. And with some greenish fluid inside, which is supposed to be MGH, but not in the form we previously saw it in. Yeah, it's like some super version of MGH or something Mr. Hyde has formulated himself. But again, it's like every bad after school special about doing drugs and yeah he's like hunched over this desk and he's looking back at billy with this like terrified look on his face while he's like trying to put the needle into his arm the art here is so bad and it makes him look like a boogeyman in like a really bad way like this is what drug people look like and it's just (sighs) that's all i have to say about it yeah and that's how because that is the end of Issue number seven. And then we get the cover to issue number eight with Eli walking in a street with his grandfather. Actually, that might be his uncle, Justice. I think it's his uncle. Yep, it's his uncle. And Cap standing back to back and he's walking on it as if it was a reflection in a rainy puddle. Uh, And he's like crying. Yeah. People are just crying all the time in these issues. Like I said, it's like an after school special. Like, how could you do this to me? And it's... And that's literally basically (sighs) what Billy says at the beginning here. It's like, please tell me you didn't. And then Eli claims that I just need a boost. And like, but you're not supposed to take MGH if you already have superpowers. And then Billy figures it out that Eli does not have any powers. Yeah. And I know it's supposed to be dramatic, but Eli's in shadow here, which also just like incredibly a bad look and just not very well thought out, both from a perspective of look at how you're portraying this character who's using drugs and how you're portraying this character who's black. And it's, yeah, I'll just stop right there. (laughs) Yeah, it's, Billy, Billy isn't judgmental here, I want to say. Yeah, no, but I feel like we as readers are supposed to be judging him. And that's what makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Because like I said earlier, um, like, j- judgment doesn't help anyone. No. And we cut away from that scene back to the rest of like Hawkeye. and Not Hawkeye yet. Wow. Uh, Kate and... Yeah, she hasn't gotten uh, the name yet. No, Kate and Cassie and Teddy are all still fighting Mr. Hyde. And they're, you know, not doing so hot. Yeah. And I know I keep talking about this artist who the penciler is the same for both these issues but kate has some major like swivel butt here like she looks like Widowmaker and overwatch her butt and her chest are like both facing us as the viewer in like this impossible way and also she has no internal organs yeah why is this artist so we've re- bad we've, why we've can't crossed we- over why can't Women are not like this. That's how not how bodies work. And she's not. She's she's a teenager. Yeah. I don't even think it's necessarily like trying to make a sexy pose. No. I just think this artist doesn't know how to shoot someone with a bow because her arm foreshortening is also not good. It's definitely not portraying what it should be. And as Cassie gets thrown forward, Kate like climbs up Mr. Hyde's back and like tries to choke him out with her bow. And I will just want to, I just want to reiterate here. Kate has absolutely no superpowers. Yeah. Mr. Hyde also sticks himself with another needle. Yeah. And starts to grow. Because that's a thing. And Cassie also starts to grow and then tries to throw her off base using gravity and says the bigger they are, the more likely they are to fall at six times the acceleration due to gravity. I don't... Did you know he was a scientist, too? Did you know? Right, Did you know but him? I don't huh? think Did that's you know? how... I don't think she gets any heavier, but I'm not sure how unstable no. molecules work. Because every other shapeshifter, Scrolls and Mystique, in multiple issues throughout multiple episodes in Marvel continuity, they've established that when you shapeshift or you grow larger or smaller, you don't gain or lose any mass. Your mass stays the same... You just get bigger or smaller. So you can be an incredibly dense child as Mystique turns into once or an incredibly large light person. I want you to go back in time and tell Mr. Hyde all that. It's 
I know it's just a one panel gag, but it really bugs me. <laughs> Mike, as a scientist, this bugs him. Yes. As an engineer. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what's also bad is this incredibly hairy, gross body that Mr. Hyde has. I described him earlier as looking like bad Conan. Oh, that's in full force here. Because every square inch of his skin has horrible hair on it. Yeah, he's grabbing Kate and like thrusting her towards the cops because now he is, she is his human shield. Gross. Yeah, meat shield. Bad. Um, Again, Kate, where are your organs? She's like hanging from his grasp and also has no gut. That's, no one needs a stomach. Yeah. I know I don't. But <laughs> we cut from away from that action back to Cap at the Bradley's house. And he's being very nice and taking Eli's grandma's chair out for her. And they have like a nice pot of coffee. I think it's tea, pretty actually. Ter- it looks like coffee. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. It's it's coffee. And we learn that Whatever. Eli goes to Bronx Science Academy. And his family actually left uh, his mom and his other brothers and sisters siblings his siblings his siblings thank you and they moved to scottsdale arizona but he stayed here because he's going to bronx science high school and so like eli's a smart kid which is like even more why it bugs me that this whole thing is happening not to say that smart people can't make bad decisions but it's just like again doesn't yeah. feel in character for him and cap has to tell mrs bradley the news that eli is like him a super soldier. And she tells Cap that that's impossible. And then we find out that Eli completely lied about the blood transfusion. And was never stabbed and like probably freaks his grandma out when Cap says that. And it's just a very, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Although like the more I think about it, I know I keep harping on the fact that this isn't in character for Eli. I'm not saying that smart people can't lie or people of upstanding moral fiber can't make bad decisions. It's just like the particular way in which it happens feels not true to the character as Heinberg established. Yeah, no, I agree. Everyone can have a flaw, but something about it just doesn't, it feels tacked on and not genuine. That's, I guess, the real core of my issue with it. No, I agree uh, tenfold. And we learned there was no blood transfusion and Eli doesn't have superpowers. And then Cap needs to know, you know, more information. But we actually cut away from that to Jessica's conversation with Cassie's mom that's going better because she already knew that Cassie was a, a superhero. The better part is debatable. And we learned that Cassie had a heart condition uh, because Cassie was actually a previously established character. Like she'd been in the Ant-Man comics before as a cameo as a child. And when Scott and her mother divorced, so Scott Lang was a thief and he got in a lot of trouble for stealing the pin particles because he was trying to use them to help Cassie, actually, and then got in trouble. But they were like, well, we can make you an offer. And so it's kind of similar to the beginning of the Ant-Man movie, if folks have seen that. Mm-hmm. Like, they, that's directly adapted from Scott Lang's story. You know, Cassie is even in that movie. If you've seen that, then you know the plot or... You know a little bit about what's going on. Right. So then when they got divorced because Peggy found out and she could not handle the fact that her husband was both a superhero and like a felon, they got a divorce. She sued for sole custody of Cassie and Cassie never forgave her for it. And then he died, I think, after they had already divorced. Yeah. Jessica was dating Mm -hmm. her or dating him. Sorry. We find out that maybe the pim particles are putting a strain on her heart. Peggy says Jess has to find a way to stop Cassie. But Jess has got to leave because she sees Kate in peril on the television. So she exits yeah. stage right. Yep. And we go back to this lovely fight that it's not so lovely because now Billy's being crushed. Well, he actually gets Kate out of the grasp and teleports her away and... Gives her a little bit of a pep talk and says, powers don't make the hero, believe me. Which Billy is like, in a lot of ways, the glue that keeps the team together. Very much so. It's it's really good. No, I love Billy. And that's just a very good, like, that's very good. Like, Billy's whole reaction to what's happening with Eli is as good as it can be. 
Well, his mom's a therapist, so, like, I'm sure he's dealt with stuff like this before. It's, again, it's just weird that the characters aren't making judgments necessarily, but we're supposed to make judgments. We're supposed to be making them, yeah. Yeah. And Billy grabs Kate, and they fly back into the warehouse and away from Mr. Hyde, who gets punched really hard by Eli, Eli, who who is is now a giant MGH roid monster. Yes. Who's drooling, but his costume is fine. Even though his costume isn't made of unstable molecules, so it should be ripped. Yeah. I guess they're giving us that one thing. If they can't give us anything else, I guess they're giving us that, like, his clothes aren't ripped. Yeah. I I, I guess. I hate it. I hate that he's drooling here. I hate that he looks like Feral. I hate yeah. it. It's bad. Yeah. From so many perspectives. Kate accidentally lets his name slip and corrects herself because she doesn't want to give his secret identity away and there's some big fight and they keep trying to convince Eli to stop fighting and to calm down and he takes another needle full of drugs into his hand and they're like put it down and Hyde tells him to put it down tells him that he's had enough MGH for the day and he says I know and stabs it into Mr. Hyde because it's not for him. Eli, it's for you. Yeah. <sighs> he falls down and makes giant crater in the gra- in the ground here. Again, the Avengers show up. That just makes a great situation even better. Yeah. <laughs> says uh, Eli thinks that Billy told Kate what's going on because I guess he is in this weird feral state like roided state and doesn't and just screaming know. don't lie to me yeah like, and then, so the Avengers show up and Eli immediately wants to fight them but in a really bad way and he's got Eli in this bottom panel here Cap's trying to have an intervention I just want to tell you that Eli in this bottom panel here with Cap saying that he's, he doesn't want to have to take him down He's got a really Liefeld-esque chest happening here. Yeah, he's got a very... It's like his head didn't grow because there's not really any muscle there, but like his chest grew three sizes. And he just like... So Cap's trying to have this intervention in like the most stereotypical way. And Eli is being super defensive and angry and saying, you can't help us because I guess that's what drugs you just want, you Yeah, do. and you just wanted to shut us down and you did everything in your power to stop us. Well, we're here, Captain. What are you going to do when everybody hesitates? He's like, I thought so. Like, So he starts to walk off again. Yet again, Eli walking off. So, walking off. Take a drink. Billy sticks out his hand and it starts glowing blue and says, I want you to stop. And... Eli, Eli stops. Stops, presumably, because he comes to and the vision is in front of him saying the toxins have been eliminated from his system. And he says, Iron Lad. And no, it's not Iron Lad. It's the vision. And we learn exactly what's up with this vision, which we already told you earlier. He has the memory patterns of Iron Lad. Eli says, so I guess you are Iron Lad. And Vision says, in some ways, yes. And Eli asks, well, if he is Iron Lad, can you take him back to the past so he can fix all this? Because I guess clearer heads prevail now that there's no drugs involved. Yeah, but then Patriot still says he would have made all the same decisions knowing himself, which, would you? I don't know. Like I said, I'm very doubtful about all this. But at least they do agree that it would be bad for the time stream. So I can agree with that. Yes. Time travel. As a big advocate for time keeping the time stream the right way. Yeah. Don't go back in time and change things, listeners. Yes. So, again, Cap is continuing on his intervention, both for the young superheroes and for Eli, and says that they went and talked to their parents and Cassie says i talked to my mom and just says well she already knew and they want to know who else did you tell and that's when eli and the vision show up and cap says that he spoke with his grandmother and that there was no blood transfusion and that cap wants to know the truth i will give cap credit here he already knows what's going on but he gives eli a chance to redeem himself and kind of come clean which I guess, considering everything that happened, I appreciate. Yeah. No, it's 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 the small bit of give we get here. And we learned that when Iron Lad showed up looking for the heroes listed on the Avengers failsafe, that Eli wasn't one of them, but his uncle was. And that he had actually inherited 
his grandfather's powers, but he he had disappeared years ago or a year over a year. Ago. Yeah, over a year. Ago. That might we. I'm not sure where that goes, but I'm sure it goes somewhere. I was gonna say. Um. So I looked it up after kind of the end of the crew, which again Everett talks more about in his post on our website. Justice just kind of disappears. Josiah just kind of disappears. And it doesn't ever really go anywhere because he just disappears. Oh, boy, that sounds familiar. Yeah, which is why Everett pointed out that black characters just kind of disappear and get used and picked up again when people want to do stuff with them, which is like kind of a comic book MO in general, but especially happens with like any minority characters because it kind of happens with Billy and Teddy too. Like, oh, we need a gay character. Yeah. Yeah. We need some diversity here. We need so. we need the gay couple to come back. Yeah, but even more so than gay characters, it seems to happen to characters of color. Yeah. But Eli does say that when Iron Lad told him there was he was in trouble, he just wanted to help. And that he had to become a super soldier in order to help. This is that is something Eli would do, you know? The way we got here is not yeah, the best way. It's just like the way in which it happened. And then he also throws his belt buckle down on the ground and shows us that it was a pill capsule, which if he had all of these pills all along, then why did he even make this? Um, I, I, you know what? I'm not going to put any lo- try to put any logic to it. It's just. No, there's I don't think there is any. Like if he, he has like a belt bucket full of pills. Yeah, it's. Why did you do why why did we have this arc at know. all? Why did this happen? I don't know. Eli tells him that he hated lying to everybody, but knew that the only way it was the only way he was ever going to be a hero. And I disagree wholeheartedly with that. Yes. And tells Captain America that he can save his speech because he's not gonna have to worry about him playing Super Soldier anymore because he quits. And the last panel that you see is everybody bereaved and eli walking out the door yeah so that's how this arc ends is with the young avengers eventually disassembling because next week jessica jones will try to figure out what all happened because the young avengers won't be seen for like a week or so yeah it's it's a heavy one and thanks for hanging in there with us folks i know charlie and i a lot yeah i know charlie and i had a lot to say in terms of being critical of this arc But I think it needs it because I don't want to just, you know, we're talking about the whole run here, but I especially don't want to let this arc that has so many problems and bothered me even when I read it the first time go without getting its just critique, even if it's like over 10 years later. Yeah, and it's these two issues. And if you're reading through it, maybe you'll see it as a small flash in the pan. But I will tell you that this mgh superpower subplot even though it's the worst part of it's over it still permeates into the rest of the 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 last arc that we're we're gonna go through well and it becomes the hook that most of eli's characterization and his redemption rest on which is there are so many other ways to have done this and the fact that his arc rests on this is really upsetting because you know then spoiler alert after the stuff that, other than the stuff that Heinberg writes and, like, some crossover in Civil War, you don't see Eli. <laughs> like, I know- Eli's gone. Yeah. Like, he's not, he doesn't show up, really, in Marvel continuity, which, again, I don't want to keep, like, pointing back to the, the post, but- No, it was a very good post. Yes. You should go read it. I am, I am wholeheartedly <laughs> a fan of it, but- yeah, it's like for that to be the only bit of characterization that he gets is it's just not good character development. And I will tell you that also Eli does this. We get to the end of volume one. Then the next time that the Young Avengers play a big part in another book, he also does something irrational and ends up leaving on a sour note then too. Yeah, because like that becomes the problem is... Even though this might be seen as, like, a minor thing because it's only two issues, it seemed to be what some writers used as the majority of his characterization. Which, to be fair, like, again, a lot of his characterization focused on this. And I think it unfortunately overshadows, like, 
the so many things that are good about Eli because Ed Brubacher, well, we'll get to Young Avengers Presents eventually, but I do want to say I really love Ed Brubacher's take on Eli there because if there's one person, one writer that gets Captain America and like what Captain America should be, it's Ed Brubacher. Like he was the one to create the Winter Soldier as a character and he was the one to write Captain America for a good long time like he's writing Captain America that's running concurrently with this book that is doing the Winter Soldier storyline and he writes Eli in Young Avengers Presents. He gives him a degree of justice that mirrors Cap and mirrors his family in a really good way that I don't know that Heinberg ever gets to like to be honest. No. I feel like Eli's a plot device. Yeah. Also, I again, I like Heinberg's writing a lot. I also don't think that he... I know Cap has a lot of guilt at this point, but I don't think he writes Cap very well either. No, and I will... I'll say this well knowing that they are also my favorite Young Avengers, but you can definitely tell that he prefers writing Billy and Teddy above everybody right. else. Right, because... As much as I love Kate, too, we'll get into it next week, but her, like, major bit of characterization is also very after-school special, which is also not very good. Like, the way it's handled is not very good. That was her main bit of characterization until Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, Mm -hmm. in which, again, a writer that really understands the core of the Clint Barton character took her on and really made her a bigger thing and like drew on the notes that Heinberg maybe like made in this super cheesy way in one that felt very genuine and I do wish that like before he'd left Marvel Ed Brubacher could have written or maybe not even Brubacher like anyone could have written like a standalone series where Eli really got to shine. Oh, absolutely. That would have been, no, that would have been so good. Honestly, I I hope someday someone pitches that to Marvel because, like, this character deserves so much more. Uh, Eli needs to be, Eli needs to come back. And he is not the only young Avenger that needs to come back. But we'll get to... We'll get to that in a couple episodes. Again, I don't want to, like, get into it too much before we get there, but, like, all of my friends and I were so... So after Young Avengers Presents, like everything written about the Young Avengers from then on, I read as it was coming out. And all of my friends and I that were all super into Young Avengers were really upset. Like every time Eli didn't show up or every time he was like misused, it's like just such a missed opportunity. Yeah. There are moments of Eli where he's like an amazing character and then moments where he's just not utilized properly or is in like the shadows and doesn't even have any lines and it's just so upsetting because he's technically at this point the leader of the young avengers avengers exactly so you know not only is he leaving the young avengers they're disbanding because they don't have a leader like iron lad left and went back to the future and now eli has (laughs) left and refuses to be patriot anymore yeah. So, I mean, that's really the reason. I mean, there are some other outlying reasons that they've disbanded at this point as we reach the end of the issue. Yeah, but... and we'll learn more about those next week. Yeah. But that's... We're running over time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that I mean, this event, you know, this kind of needs a little bit more time to process, but that has been these two issues of Young Avengers. Yep. Thanks for sticking with it, yep. us through it, Thank folks. you. Yeah, thank you for listening. In the meantime... If you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous episodes, please feel free to tweet to us at Young Ones Cast. Find us on youngonescast.com, where you'll find the links for us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the RSS feed, which you probably already know if you're listening. But if you appreciated this podcast and want to help us out, please do shout us out on social media or review us on iTunes or Stitcher. We realize today you cannot review us on Google Play, but thank you if you attempted to. We appreciate it. If you attempted to do that, and if I told you to do that, um, I'm sorry. We're sorry. Because you can't do that. Yeah. Um, can't fight the Google. If you have any questions, um, please email them to youngonescast at gmail.com. I will... Mikey will take I will actually take time to research something if you have a question about it and we'll talk about it at the end of the episode you can find me 
at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. That's where I hang out. And this time, even though we're in the past and you'll hear this in the future, if you have a chance and you need some comics to go and pre-order, please, please, please go pre-order the new New Mutants series that's going to come out in March of next year. Please go do that for me. If you do one thing, please go do that for me. <laughs> so maybe you should tell them a little bit about that. What's the blurb on that? Well, there w- there's going to be a New Mutants uh, limited series, a six-issue limited series coming out in March. And it is written by Matthew Rosenberg. It's got my fa- one of my favorite characters, Richter, who has been MIA since 2013. And I need him to be in more things. And it's got this, like, really, like, kooky cast of, like, you know, Rain and Richter and Boom Boom and Strong Guy and Magic. And it's going to be, like, some sort of supernatural, like, Scooby-Doo-esque book. And that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really me. perfect for those characters. <laughs> so I need you to go do everything you can and buy as many issues as possible. So If that don't... sounds like something that's interesting to you. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even care if it doesn't sound interesting to you. Just go do it anyway. <laughs> After the podcast last week where I told people if they don't want to buy something, it's fine. <laughs> no, you're going to buy all these. You're going to buy all this so I can see more of my Charlie, we can't make anyone no, do that. No, don't. If you don't want to, that's fine. You're fine. But I'm super psyched about it. And if you like weirdo mutants that don't show up a lot, go buy it. Tell Marvel that you want to see more of those kinds of characters. There you go. And you can find me at quantum dot dot on Twitter where I talk a lot about role-playing games. Not so much about comics, but just general nerd stuff or video games. Also, I talk a lot about like design and games, so that's where I'm at. So if you enjoyed this podcast, but you'd like to hear some other people talk about X-Men, perhaps maybe rate and kind of list three X-Men stories on a very long, long list, please go and listen to Battle of the Atom. It comes out every Monday, um, where the hosts Zach and Adam take three X-Men stories and rate them best to worst, or maybe they're all good, or maybe they're all bad. That has also happened. But if you like X-Men, it's a very good listen, and go check them out and leave them a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher and not Google Play. (laughs) So that's been our podcast, everyone. Tune in next week as we go through the Young Avengers Annual number one and Avengers Assemble. No. Wait, no, that's not it, is it? No, that's not it either. That's Caps or yeah. any leader of the Avengers. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Um, but thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>